This is a show about getting spooked for fun, and neither one of the hosts are associated with the attractions discussed in any way. Except for those skeletons in Devin's closet. Some topics may go from ghoulish to ghastly, so viewer discretion is advised. Welcome to The Great American Scream. Oh, wait, can I tell you a little a little pre-podcast uh, uh, little factoid that I found out the other day and it, I can't get it out of my mind? Yeah, go ahead. I was, I was watching a video about 5-4 time and one of the most common uh, ways that people hear 5-4 time is the Mission Impossible theme song. Is it 5-4 yeah. time? Yeah. And uh, what infuriated me is that the reason that the composer wrote that song that way is because it's based on the Morse code for the letters M and I. God damn it. It's really frustrating that it's just dash, dash, dash dot, da, dot, da, dash. dash. Oh, <laughs> it's I hate really that. awful. Uh, you can also think about the Mission Impossible theme song as 4-4, uh, four, four, but every half bar is... Uh, just a different tempo, which is also stupid. That's stupid. That's like that um, Hey Ya discourse that was going around. People were like, oh, Hey Ya is in like 11.5 or something when no, it is not. Oh, my God. They anyway. counted out for you at the beginning of the song. <laughs> <laughs> One, two, three, four. That's the tempo. <laughs> they counted out. They do. I think that's just going to be the intro. Hi, welcome to the Great American <laughs> Scream. My name is Devin Wright. Uh, my name is Adam O'Connell. Uh, well, happy... Uh, Tuesday. I was about to say what day it is now, but it's for Happy you. Happy Sunday. Yeah, for you Happy all. Happy Sabbath day. Tuesday. Um, but uh, there was actually there is a anniversary this past weekend. Oh my god! I for I'm so sorry. <laughs> I didn't get a gift. This is so embarrassing. What year is the this year? It's the uh wood year. Is it wood year? The wood year. Oh, what what year? Seven. What year? You know, every year for anniversaries, you get a different material gift. I thought that was only like 10 years that you would do those, but... No, like, isn't one paper or something? I don't I know, what? Every year. Anyway, what <laughs> did I miss? Straight. What did I, what holiday did I miss? Um, well, this past weekend was the 17th anniversary of Revenge of the Mummy opening at Universal Studios Florida. The greatest roller coaster of all time. Happy birthday, sweetie. Happy birthday, Brandon Fraser. <laughs> Happy 17th birthday, Brandon <laughs> Fraser. <laughs> um, we've been saying that we've been, we're going to do a full episode on Revenge of the Mummy for the past couple of weeks. So here it is. Please yeah. enjoy. Yeah, we're um, not going to do it this week. It'll be sometime. <laughs> I think what inspired me to finally do it this week is that two nights ago I had a dream about Brendan Fraser, and I think oh he like told me telepathically in this dream to do it. Um, I also saw Brendan Fraser recently, but it was because I was watching somebody play through a FMV game from 1997, and some reason Brendan Fraser was in it. <laughs> so I think it's a sign. In in my dream about Brendan Fraser, it wasn't about Brendan Fraser, but he was like a guest star. I was waiting okay. for a train to go to work, and it just kept getting more and more delayed and wasn't coming. Um, and okay. then I just decided to like walk around the platform a little bit, and I saw Brendan Fraser, and I stopped to like talk to him, take a picture. He was very nice. And then when I finished, I turned around, and I saw that the train was there. So I started running for it, and then I tripped, and I was holding a suitcase, I guess, and uh -huh. half the clothes in my suitcase like flew out and became attached to the train as it pulled How out of the station. 
And then I turned around and I was in another subway station that didn't exist. So I went up to like the, the, the street level and it was the middle of the night suddenly. And I approached uh, a cop and that cop was also Keenan Thompson. And I was like, please, I just need to get to 81st Street. And then he just started rattling off streets at, and, and subway stations that don't exist. And I started sobbing and then I woke up. <laughs> Well, uh, I'm glad you started off this uh, highly anticipated episode of the podcast by making everybody click off of it. So now, for the one person who enjoys listening to other people's dreams, we're now going to get into the episode. That's what inspired me to finally pick this episode, because Brendan Fraser was there, and I was like, man, we should do that episode on Revenge of the Mummy. (laughs) (laughs) I'm glad so, that's what you took away from this this stream. Yeah. So Revenge of the Mummy. Uh highly regarded as like not only just one of the best like indoor coasters ever, but just one of the best attractions in Central Florida in all the parks. Uh yeah. it has won the Golden Ticket Award for best indoor coaster so many times that they stopped giving it out. Yeah, they, they had were like no it's- more they had no more <laughs> chocolate factories to give. They were and like, so it's, they, it's just going to go to Revenge of the Mummy every year. So they retired the whole category. Um, makes sense. And now it has like a legendary status. So if you have not uh, been on this ride, Revenge of the Mummy is a combination dark ride and enclosed roller coaster located at Universal Studios Florida, Universal Studios Hollywood, and Universal Studios Singapore. The ones in Florida and, and Singapore. And Euro Disneyland. Just kind of weird. Yeah. There's one there too. <laughs> they licensed it. Um the ones at Florida and Singapore are pretty much identical. The one at Hollywood has a slightly different track layout and a different story, but it's all based on the Mummy film franchise, the one that started in the 90s starring Brendan Fraser, uh, which in turn is based off of the uh, Universal Classic Monster film starring Boris Karloff. Oh, thank um, God. We got our one episode <laughs> Boris Karloff reference. Yeah. So we got there. Well, so despite the fact that uh, we might get a universal classic monsters land in the new epic universe based on the concept art which like great love I, it like i don't I'm know what I'll do for, with listen, if that's true it will be the ultimate devon and adam park because yeah. you'll have that and i'll have nintendo land yeah i don't know what i'll do with myself uh, but so technically we already have a ride based off a of classic monster and it's this one it's Man, just kind it's of really rude. frustrating how universal keeps threatening to be the greatest theme park ever <laughs> Like, every few years, Universal's like, what if we did the coolest shit you've ever seen? And then they don't. Yeah. Um. So uh, it was actually the first roller coaster, both in the Florida and Hollywood parks, when it opened in 2004. There were no coasters at, at either of the Universal parks. That's crazy. Uh, when they first opened, uh, and this was the first one. And it's not even that much of a major coaster, because Rip Ride Rocket didn't open until a couple years later. Yeah, and then um, Hulk, and then yeah, Dueling Dragons. Yeah. Um, oh, man. I so, miss Dueling Dragons. I know I know Hagrid's is good and all, mm-hmm. but Dueling Dragons is so good. I, Adam, <laughs> yeah. you know that most of my life right now is, is consumed by anticipating my imminent move to Los Angeles yeah. over on the West Coast. And when I tell you that one of the most exciting ideas that I had, 
I was originally going to move to North Hollywood, but now it looks like I'm going to move to West Hollywood. Mm-hmm. One of the reasons I wanted to move to North Hollywood is because I would be very close to Universal <laughs> and I could go on the Revenge of the Mummy ride whenever I wanted. Yeah, basically. Um, so the, the Florida version, which was the first one, uh, and the ride tells the story of a fictional mummy franchise sequel called Revenge of the Mummy. Uh, the guests are invited on a tour of the set where they realize that the mummy's curse is real and now must narrowly escape uh, the clutches of Imhotep. Uh, set we'll, the bar. Yeah. It literally created the format that every ride at Universal should follow. Mm-hmm. So good. It's, it's, it's a perfect thing kind of between uh, like the whole ride the movies concept and the like behind the scenes concept because we'll yeah. elaborate more on this, the story later but like you learn about how the actual mummy franchise was was made but also at the same time you get a new story that you are yeah. not the star of it's it's so good because you get it, it blurs the line it's pretty clear like as an adult but as like a teen when i was like <laughs> how much of this behind the scenes content is real and how much is fake and where's that line yeah like it's so silly and over the top and it doesn't it takes itself incredibly seriously in the best way possible. It's just so good. Yeah. It's what and, every single ride should be. Yeah. And as a horror attraction, because like this is an interesting thing. I think that theme parks do a lot, especially of and Universal does, of using horror aesthetics without the ride necessarily being scary because like i wouldn't call revenge of the mummy particularly scary but it uses a lot of like it's not like a haunted house scary it that's interesting i i would say that it is like kind of vanilla haunted house type scary where like for a kid that's writing it for the first time it is terrifying Mm -hmm. but like anytime after that you're like oh okay this isn't scary, actually. And yeah. it, like once you pass maybe 14, then it's just pure camp and it's incredible. <laughs> yeah. And we, we talked about this a little bit in the uh, horror roller coasters episode. But I think the fact that it is a combination dark ride and a roller coaster really serves uh, it from like a horror perspective because it's able to play on different kinds of human fears because it's able to play on like the fear of heights, the fear of speed, the fear of falling and stuff. Yeah. But it's also able to f- play on like phobias and psychological fears like bugs and fire and, and, and death, I guess, in general. Yeah, yep. And it also it kind of on a meta level because it's it's kind of billed as a dark ride and then you go into the loading station and it's more of a roller coaster, but then it is still kind of a dark ride. Like you're not expecting like roller coaster esque yeah. thrills on a like dark ride. You're expecting an omnimover system mm-hmm. and you yeah. get a roller coaster, which is scary, but good. And I think it's so interesting because the mummy is technically a horror franchise, but nobody ever thinks of it as a horror franchise. Yeah. Yeah, it's, it's like, a horror franchise like Resident Evil. Yeah, it's an action franchise, franchise that uses horror as an aesthetic or horror imagery as like a plot point. Uh, it's like action horror because it's horror, but it's not scary. Right, 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 right. Which is interesting. Um, but so I would like to talk about the history of the attraction, uh, the experience walking through it, and then also the possible future of Revenge of the Mummy. Oh, um, no. So, so uh, we've talked more than once about Universal Studios Florida's rough, first year of operation basically nothing worked 
uh, and rides were constantly going down because they were very technologically advanced for the time, but also yeah. therefore nothing worked. Um, right. But by like the mid 90s, they had established themselves as a pretty prominent theme park destination in Central Florida. Not as big as Disney. Disney was still kind of leagues ahead of them, but they were kind of working their way up there. Um, they were trying. You know, yeah. they were putting in the effort. The The thing that you give to Universal in the 90s is their like willingness to just throw stuff at the wall mm-hmm. like Disney. And even uh, up until now, Disney has always been like playing it safe in the theme park realm, especially in Florida. Mm-hmm. Like there was not other than Epcot kind of everything was very safe. Everything was calculated and not always successful, but always calculated and, and thought through. Universal was like, what if we put a shark animatronic uh, <laughs> knee deep in the water? That seems like a great <laughs> idea. What if we put fire very close to the guests? <laughs> <laughs> and we'll talk about that with the mummy too. But that's the one, the big thing that Universal had going for it concept wise was this ride the movies concept that Disney at this time, like Disney, as we know it now is kind of, and people complain about this. Disney's kind of very IP heavy approach to right. their new attractions. That was always Universal's deal. And at this time, Disney was still working kind of more on the like original concept attractions. Uh, yeah, but and, and and immersion as attraction, yeah. like as much as Universal, and and I think that this is to the detriment of of Central Florida theme parks. But mm-hmm. over probably the last decade, really because of Harry Potter, the the two theme parks have kind of coalesced in a this is about immersion in an IP's world yeah. rather than Universal used to be. Uh, experience the movies world from the from a different perspective, like mm-hmm. from a ride the movie standpoint. And Disney was become fully immersed in this world, yeah. whether it was an, an IP or a totally original thing. And now they've both kind of come together because of goddamn Harry Potter world. Yeah, uh, it really did change the. The Wizarding World of Harry Potter really did change the theme park landscape forever, but that's another podcast. Um, so in order to compete with Disney, they really did two big moves. One of them was to expand from just the theme park into a full resort with like City Walk and hotels and stuff and then begin work on Islands of Adventure um, and then also start to take a very aggressive approach to updating the attraction lineup at studios to be more up to date with current popular films. Uh, as they noticed that kids in the nineties were not interested in attractions based on 60s, 70s and eighties movies. Uh, right. Like Alfred Hitchcock's the art of filmmaking did not really resonate with your 11 year olds in 1994. Right. Uh, but that might've been because of that specific thing. Like my issue with this is like you lose the kind of, uh, what I would think of as Universal's kind of shtick mm-hmm. of cla- not even classics, but like trying to always be modern Hollywood is not sustainable. No, not at all. At all. But that's the approach that Universal is taking right now. There's a very sort of nothing is sacred approach to the way that Universal closes right. and creates new attractions. Like the only, only opening day attraction left at Universal Studios Florida is E.T. And that's because if they close E.T., Spielberg is going to explode. Yeah, um, and I would also explode. I would be there with yeah, him I'd on really, the barricades. I, I, I would chain myself a la, like, to like a giant red oak. I would chain myself yeah. to the gate of E.T. so they don't tear it down. Um, 
But it's so interesting because Universal also, whenever they market, like they use Harry Potter to market, but they market with Jaws and E.T. and Back to the Future, all stuff that's not there anymore, but people still think are synonymous with Universal Studios. And it's yeah, so and interesting how that works. Still there. <laughs> that's why. It's and so then they weird. get pissed, but then they get butterbeer. Not the good butter beer, the cold butter beer, and they're like, maybe it's okay. They spend a hundred dollars on a set of pretty cheaply made robes, and they're like, oh, okay, I guess this is fine. It's so I wanted weird to how ride Jaws, one of the best, ro- one of the best theme park attractions ever of all time, but I can't because I'm not in Japan. Is uh, it's still in Japan, yeah. Yeah, and there's still a stop on the Hollywood tram tour for Jaws. Yeah, okay, <laughs> all right. Uh, anyway, so the mummy was actually the first of these big changes to the attraction lineup as confrontation would close on September 8th, 2002 to make room for a new attraction. And, uh, and com- just because the name of that attraction was untenable. <laughs> you cannot call it confrontation. It doesn't <laughs> work. Um, and it was an excellent attraction as well. Uh, and we do have Skull Island, Rand of Kong over at Islands of Adventure right now. It's not quite, it's not as good as confrontation, but it's also not a bad attraction. It's um, a much better name though. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, this was the mummy was the first kind of like big replacement, making it right now one of the oldest rides in Universal Studios. And it opened in 2004. That's crazy. Isn't that weird? I, th- I think it's oldest, only second to the mummy, probably. Oh, yeah. I mean, only second to uh, uh, E.T. Sorry. Adam, my brain thought you said E.T. <laughs> so that's interesting. You know what I meant to say. Um, okay, so the first two films in the Mummy franchise, uh, The Mummy and The Mummy Returns, were absolute smash hits at the box office. Unexpected smash hits. They did not anticipate these movies making that much money. They As, understood the assignment. Yeah, yeah, with a combined box office gross of almost a billion dollars for these two movies. Uh, so it was the obvious pick for a new attraction. It was the hot thing. It's so weird to think that, like, The Mummy was the hot thing. It was like The Avengers. Like, I mean... Brendan Fraser we, we was had the moment. A, we could have had a whole mummy land. We could have had we a mummy should. campus. <laughs> the, mummy, the mummy campus. <laughs> I like that you are saying, you know, if if we were to tease this metaphor out, uh-huh. it would, or this analogy out, the idea would be that the mummy was Iron Man, and things yeah. expanded from there. But in your universe, it's just the mummy. <laughs> And and in this world, we would have the Mummy Campus, and there would be a Scorpion King ride, and there would be a Mummy ride, uh-huh. and there would be another Scorpion King ride. Well, that's the level of hype that people had, especially Universal had for the Mummy. We're and, you crazy know, like, about it. This could have launched the Dark Universe, but they said, no, we have to wait 10, 15 years and make a really bad Mummy, and that's going to yeah. launch the Dark Universe. And that's universe. when we'll strike. <laughs> um, God, please save the Dark Universe. Somebody make a good Dark Universe movie. Invisible Man was fine, but you gotta please just make a good one. Uh, we can do it. Anyway, so um, The Mummy also, I think, has survived this long in the park because it, despite it being based on a late 90s movie that's really not as culturally relevant now, um, it kind of has a timeless feel to it because of its roots in the original Boris Karloff movie. Um, yeah. Like... The mummies, it's not going to fall kind of like out. We don't, even though the, it is very obviously about the, 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 the film, we don't really like the mummies, the mummy. It's, it's, right. it's got this timeless feel to it. I, I feel as though the, the same kind of thing that probably led them in the mid nineties to be like, 
we can't be all about Jaws and E.T. and all of these 80s movies was probably going through their heads in like 2010 about The Mummy, but they did the smart thing and rode that out Mm -hmm. until now when people ride The Mummy, obviously they're like, oh, this is just a kick-ass ride Mm -hmm. with, with... screams and thrills and i love it i'm loving this this roller coaster but they also are like oh the mummy what a good <laughs> early 2000s flick oh it remember really, brendan fraser the movies is, the ride is what's keeping the movie culturally relevant at least within like the theme park community i was about to say it's a yeah within a very small community yeah. <laughs> um because it like the iconography it's so icon people would riot if they tried to close the mummy it's very iconic as universal studios attraction yeah um but anyway, so they were like, we need to make a ride out of this. these movies that made a ton of money. So John Murray. Is that ride next to the monstrosity Fast and Furious? No, nah, it's, a, it's a little ways down. Mummy is next to, uh, it's around the corner from Jimmy Fallon. Uh, I hate that, you, that that sentence is a sentence that <laughs> exists. Why the, I don't feel like going through this episode with a fine tooth comb and bleeping the curse words I say, so I won't uh-huh. say the F word. But why is Jimmy Fallon at Universal Studios? Get him out. A lot of questions. A lot of questions there. That ride, again, is fine. It's another motion simulator with the big screen. Anyway, um, so we have to make a ride based off of this multi-billion dollar movie franchise. John Murdy, who is the head, was the head of Universal Creative at the time and is the lord of Halloween Horror Nights, uh, collaborated with Stephen Summers, who is the director of the first two films, to create what Universal billed as the world's first psychological thrill ride. We've heard uh, this. We've heard this song and dance before from Alton Towers. Yeah, I, <laughs> I've heard this. I've I've been down this road before with you. <laughs> um. So premiere ride once and yeah. shame on you. Fool me twice. I can't fool a fooler. <laughs> <laughs> um, so Premier Rides and Dynamic Attractions, which are two pretty big uh, theme park manufacturers in Florida, uh, created the roller coaster portion of the ride, which uses uh, linear induction motors to launch riders from zero to 45 miles per hour in one and a half seconds, which is not super fast, but a pretty solid launch. It's a, a good launch for an indoor yeah. dark coaster. Because mm-hmm. we've talked about, have we talked about... Uh, like Space Mountain feels way faster than it actually is because it's in the dark, yeah. And you're swooping and and swinging through this wonderful mm. world that Walt made for all of us. <laughs> um, and and Mummy is the same way because when you're in the dark, 45 miles an hour feels like 137 thousand yeah. miles an hour. The mummy feels way faster than it is. It is not that fast. Um, it is all about. It's just a little bit faster than Gringotts. I think Gringotts caps out at like 35 or something. During the fast parts. Uh, um, I, yeah. <laughs> I have complex feelings about that ride. This I is like the theme park podcast. <laughs> anyway, um, so these motors will also be used to propel riders through the dark ride portion and at one point in a ba- backwards drop. Um, so the ride costs around $40 million to make and would open on May 21st, 2004 at Universal Studios Florida. Um, and the following year, it was announced that Universal Studios Hollywood would also get the attraction replacing... The E.T. Adventure and famously Invoking upsetting the wrath <laughs> of Steven <laughs> and warning Universal that if they tried this again, 
the wrath of the spiel would would fall upon them like yeah. the bolts of lightning from Zeus's hand. Like, why do you think that E.T. Adventure is still at Universal Studios Florida? It's because the Sword of Damocles is swinging over Universal Creative's head. And that if they if they drop E.T., that's cutting the string. It's cutting the string. And to be clear, what we're saying is that Steven Spielberg will personally... <laughs> burn down the entirety of Universal Studios with his own hands. Yeah. He won't build a fire. Like, he won't set fires. He will, with the pure <laughs> energy of his ire, burn the park to the ground. Yeah. Um, there's some excellent photos from the reopening of this attraction of Brendan Fraser and Arnold uh, Vosloo, who plays Imhotep, uh, blowing the door open with like that fake kind of like dynamite plunger. Yeah. And then Arnold hops on Brendan's back and they piggyback ride to the attraction. <laughs> and that uh, that is the kind of working relationship I would like to achieve with you. Uh, yeah, I think Dennis. that is very us. I think that's what we're going to do to go into <laughs> Halloween Horror Nights this yeah. year. Um. So now the attraction, the experience itself. Uh, we're going to be talking about the Florida one primarily because that's the one that we've been on. Because uh, the Hollywood one does have a slightly different story um, and and a different layout. Uh, but Singapore is identical. So the ride is located in the New York section of the park. At The, the facade is like the Museum of Antiquities. It's weird because the facade doesn't quite match the skew and ride story. Um, but not, I think okay, don't <laughs> not quite is quite the understatement. You walk in honestly. I never thought it was a museum. I always thought it was like a movie theater because it looks it, like yeah. A movie it says theater. Museum of Antiquities out front. Well, that's bizarre. Well, I don't it know if like that's supposed theater. to be because like the whole thing about when you're at Universal Studios is you're supposed to be already be on a set. So like yeah, I guess you could be walking into the set of the Museum of Antiquities. But then we get down a whole entire rabbit hole. That's a lot <laughs> yeah. to deal with. Um, That's a lot to expect a slightly drunk because his kids are very angry and he doesn't want to deal with it. Dad to buy in. Yeah. Um, so uh, and it's located in the New York section. Uh, as we enter the queue, you step onto the fictional set of Revenge of the Mummy, a sequel to the first two films. Uh, and you see the different setups and the prop and wardrobe departments. You see real concept art and real molds from the movies. This is really what I miss about a lot of Universal Studios attractions. They used to have yeah. like cool movie props. And like there are still movie props and sets and stuff. But uh, I like to, I like to learn. I'm a, I'm a dork. <laughs> I love to learn. <laughs> Um, so also, so TVs in the queue play a video featuring the real cast and crew of the film, uh, not only, uh, like giving behind the scenes look at making the first two movies, but explaining the ride's story, which is that the film's fictional curse seems to have come to life while filming, uh, with various accident and plagues striking the cast and the crew and to protect themselves, everybody must wear the Medjai symbol. Um, yeah, which is, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> so Brendan Fraser is skeptical and will not wear the Magi symbol uh, until he is denied a cup of coffee from craft services for not wearing it. Uh, so he steals <laughs> it off a crew mem- member named Reggie. Uh, Reggie. Then Reggie, <laughs> Reggie later on injures himself in an accident and then gets trapped inside a sarcophagus prop. Uh, and, and that, that is man the setup. was Reggie Fizeme, <laughs> the former president of Nintendo of America. <laughs> That's the setup. It's really like this cue video is important. It's really a delight. It is so it's good. So you funny. Have to, what day on set did they wake <laughs> up and and on their call sheet was Universal Ride tie-in? And they were like, 
They're like, oh, God, this is going to be so annoying. Why do I have to do this? I mean, I'm getting paid SAG scale for this. Except, except Brendan Fraser, who is eating this up. He's oh, doing. Well, he's, that's what I mean. Brendan Fraser probably was like, oh, what is this? They're going to make me do some schlocky tie-in to this corporatist whatever. Mm-hmm. And then he gets there and they hand him the script and he's like, hell yeah, I thought this was going to be bad. This <laughs> is incredible. It's such a stark contrast to, uh, did you ever go on Twister? Uh, yes. Yes. Um, As a so, kid who was deadly afraid of tornadoes, I specifically I when we went to Florida for the first time at, when I was like coherent, I was like, there's going to be a tornado and we're all going to die. <laughs> and my family decided that the greatest ride for me to go on in Twister. that moment was Twister. Oh, it's so cool. But that's such a stark contrast to the Twister pre-show where what are the two stars that film Helen Hunt and the other dude who hate Helen each Hunt. other so much that yeah. they it's two separate videos because they would not film uh, the pre-show for this attraction together. Um, meanwhile, Brennan Fraser is loving every second of being this fictional version of himself. Oh, God. Um, so the queue then transitions onto the set of the film, which is a very cool Egyptian tomb. Universal queues are, like, when they're good, they're good. Um, like, there are some not-so-great universal queues, but when they're yeah. good, they're good. This queue is wild because, like, <laughs> yeah, like, the ideas that were on set but the thing about like, oh, you have to wear this symbol. It's like implying that the set of the movie is somewhere within the mummy. Like it's it's almost implying that the mummy is based on a true story and that mm-hmm. they went to the location to film it. So like you start out being like, oh, this is a movie set, movie process. And then you're in the ruins of some Egyptian temple. And you're like, what? How did I get here? <laughs> yeah, and the queue, uh, then you walk up to the second floor to board these mine cars. I only included this because why is Universal Studios always making me walk upstairs? You have to walk upstairs on Jimmy Fallon. You have to walk upstairs on Gringotts. You have to walk upstairs in the mummy. I'm on vacation. Why are you I have making a solution me walk upstairs? to the Jimmy Fallon stairs. Yeah. <laughs> Don't go on the ride. Demolish the ride. <laughs> why do I always have, like, I'm on vacation. Why are you always making me walk upstairs? I've walked like 20 miles this week. <laughs> The Harry Potter one is like that, too, because you're like in the greenhouse and you're like, this is a lovely time. I'm in the greenhouses of of my favorite school, mm-hmm. Hogwarts. And then you're forced to walk upstairs in this greenhouse, the Gringotts which is one not is, accurate to the book. Yeah, the Gringotts one is funny because you go in the Gringotts elevator that brings you underground first. And then as soon as you get out of the elevator, you have to <laughs> walk upstairs. <laughs> you have to walk I, upstairs. You know, I know it's not a real elevator, but still. Right. To, like, in the fiction of the world, you have gone down into the depths of Gringotts just to grab some 3D glasses, and then you had to go up the yeah. stairs. Anyway, so you board these uh, mine cars. These two, like, mine cars that are kind of, like, they're attached, and then when the roller coaster portion starts, they kind of slightly detach for, the, like, the twists and bends and stuff. Yeah. Um, so in the first show scene, you roll up, uh, you see Reggie, the missing crew member, partially mummified inside a sarcophagus. Yeah. Uh, and he warns the riders, are you insane? Get out of here. The curse is real. This whole place is a trap. He's after your souls. Look for the Magi symbol. It's your only hope. Very I, iconic opening monologue. from Richard. An incredible <laughs> opening monologue. I, what I appreciate about this ride, and I think it, it's, it's one of the reasons that it's the peak of universal ride design, is the pull of we're not going to base this ride on Brendan Fraser. We're not going to base this ride on making you a character we're going to create a new character canonical to this ride alone whose name is Reggie. <laughs> and that's such a good name. Like, you could have gone with a lot of, like, basic, you know, 
cast and crew member name. Yeah. You Jim. could have had Jim, uh, Dale, John, uh, like all of these names, but you went with Reggie. And yeah. I have to, like, whoever the guy that named Reggie was, put him in charge <laughs> of the new expansion because it will be incredible. Yeah. It's just um, such a good pull. It's so good. And these it, it, opening lines are some of the most iconic lines to the attraction besides the one at the very end. Like, that's the oh one that's on God. T-shirts. It's like, uh, are you insane? Get out of here. The curse is real. Is on, like, T-shirts and merch and stuff. Which, to be fair, is not enough. It should say, are you insane? Get out of here. The curse is real. This whole place is a trapeze after your souls. Look for the Magi symbols. It's your only hope. <laughs> it should be the entire yeah. thing. Um, unfortunately, Reggie's moment is short-lived because then Imhotep appears and sucks out Reggie's soul. Um, you introduce this incredible character <laughs> named Reggie and he's gone within seconds. Kill him. He's dead. He is not re- alive again by the end of the attraction. <laughs> Reggie is gone. <laughs> alive again. Reggie, let's be clear. This very... Reggie's dead. Our good friend <laughs> Reggie is dead at the end of this ride. Yeah. Everybody um, else is fine. So, the ride, it's fine. The movie comes out. We already know in fiction that the movie finishes filming Brendan is able to get his coffee from craft services and the movie comes out and makes a bajillion dollars. But <laughs> Reggie are good. Let's be clear. This good, this sweet boy is dead yeah. and he can't come back. Um, this Imhotep animatronic is six foot eight uh, and was actually so advanced and realistic for the time that they had to reprogram some of the movements to be more jerky. So it looked like a dead mummy and not a human. Uh, it also weighs 680 pounds. Navi River Journey wishes... <laughs> I mean, the Navi River Journey animatronic is, to be clear, way more advanced than the Emotep one. But the Emotep yeah, one is pretty advanced. Right. But let's talk about the timescales here. They did this in, you know. 2002. 2000, four. whenever. And it took Navi River Journey until 2016. 17. I think 2017. How has that park been open for four it's, I know. Years? I was just thinking about it because I was, I went to Disney with, some of my friends when we finished freshman year and we went like two weeks before Pandora opened. So that must've been 2017. Yeah. I would have went like right around when it opened Mm -hmm. and I didn't even clock that it was open. Yeah. Four years, baby. (laughs) Y'all. We, uh, if you You haven't watched Jenny Nicholson's video about the avatar theme park, I highly recommend it because that's all that's going through my head. Avatar Um, 7, why Avatar? (laughs) So, uh, Reggie dies. You move on to the second show scene. Our sweet boy's gone. (laughs) He can't come back. You move on to the next show scene, which is inside a chamber of treasures. Uh, And Imhotep's face appears on the screen and gives us a little poem. He says, serve me and save her riches beyond measure or refuse and save her a more bitter treasure. And he says Uh, it in an Irish accent, like it's a limerick, (laughs) which is interesting. Um, And then suddenly mummies pop out from on both sides of the riders and jets of fire shoot upwards very close to riders. It is hot. Yeah, I was talking about Jaws. Yeah, me too. I've been burned by Jaws. (laughs) And right. The guests used to complain that it burned them, even though it was just sunburn. Mm -hmm. But let's be clear. The Jaws one was fake. I wouldn't be surprised if guests were like, that fire in the mummy burned me. 
Like, this I know was... Reggie's dead, and we should all be very sad about that, and that's really the big thing here, but I do have a slight burn. This is the part that traumatizes all the kids, because you go through the first scene, and even though Reggie dies, you're like, okay, I can handle this, I can handle this, and suddenly you're yeah. in the next room, and there's fire, like, two feet from you, and then a big scary mummy pops out. This is where most children lose it. Yeah, this ride is a journey. <laughs> like, I know that it's the best ride ever created, and it's probably my favorite, but, like, now going back through it in my mind palace, it's a lot. Yeah. Um, so then the cart kind of moves quickly to escape, but hits a wall where scarab beetles pour out uh, and oh. onto the mine car. And if the kid wasn't upset by the last scene, they will be upset by this scene. Um, if your kid hates It's Tough to Be a Bug, <laughs> which he does because he's a child, he will hate this. Yeah. Um, and, uh, the cart then drops backwards. This is the backwards drop. And then this is where the ride turns into a roller coaster. Uh, cause you stop for like a brief projection scene as the car kind of rotates you around on a platform. Uh, and then these doors open up in front of you and the car launches upwards at 40 miles an hour. Uh, and then it speeds through various turns and dips and you fly past different projections of Imhotep and like fog effects and lights and stuff. Uh, you can't really get a good look at what's going on cause you're just zooming past it. You're zooming. Um, and then my favorite part of the ride, the cart stops at a fake unload station uh, where there's like a woman, Genius. like a sil- the silhouette how of a woman. Nobody, <laughs> how did nobody think of this before? How have nobody done a fake unload station in a roller coaster before? Um, and there's like a silhouette of a, like a woman behind a window. And she's like, we hope you enjoyed your ride. Please stay seated. Well, and then Imhotep sucks out her soul and she turns into a skeleton and then he breaks the glass. Uh, and, um, then the car, that's the bit, that's where the big drop happens. Oh, no, no, no. Before the big drop, um, there's the brain fire on the ceiling. I want to talk about the brain fire. So if you like, MSF sets the ceiling on fire and this very cool kind of like rolling fire effect that it's called brain fire because it looks like a brain. Um, and this concept was borrowed from the backdraft attraction that used to be at Universal Studios, which was kind of like Twister where it was a special effects show, but about fire and like firefighting instead of, uh, tornadoes a uh, very okay, real sure. fire if you are at the ceiling level when this fire happens it's pretty much close to 3200 degrees at the ceiling level and 107 degrees at the rider level six 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 <laughs> if you weren't burned before say goodbye to those eyebrows baby <laughs> 107 degrees at the rider level yeah um i've Anyway, then the car does, drops down 39 feet, which no, is the Adam, highest drop the, the ride. No, Adam, the podcast. Yeah. You have something written here. No, I, I have been burned by this ride and Jaws. Jaws was more of like an arm hair singe, but I think it's also more of a steam burn. Um, right, But right. I've definitely been on The Mummy and been like, ow. <laughs> okay, okay. <laughs> that didn't feel nice. Um, so then the car then drops down 39 feet, which is the highest drop in the ride. Um, it's, I think it's only at a 50 degree angle, which is not very steep at all for context in the of dark that, again yeah like the 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 drop on pirates of the caribbean is 30 feet um and it's it's definitely not as steep as 50 degrees but 50 degrees again is already not that steep so it's not too yeah. bad of a drop 50 degrees is about what you expect from a one of those big log flumes the ones where there are like rows of like eight people yeah like you expect about 50 degrees from that um and it goes down this winding drop before a Magi symbol appears uh, and Imhotep shouts, no, uh, you really didn't do anything. You just kind of found the Magi symbol. <laughs> right. Brendan Fraser appeared and held it out like a mighty Morphin Power Rangers coin. <laughs> um, so finally, right before he gets to the unload station, the car slows and shows the exit video of Brendan Fraser, who welcomes the guests back. 
saying, hope you enjoyed. I would have enjoyed this interview a lot more if I had gotten my cup of coffee. And then we see like a cloak pass over the screen and then a mummified hand hold out a cup of coffee. Brennan Fraser yep. takes it and then realizes that it's a big, scary mummy and starts screaming and it cuts to black and we hear Brennan Fraser get mutilated by a mummy. <laughs> yeah, I would have liked it if what we what we all learned along the way was that with the Medjai symbol, Imhotep just becomes like a beloved hardworking member of the cast and crew and he's like thank you for my coffee Imhotep like I wish that that was the ending um that's the other iconic kind of uh like merch line from this ride is like the cup of coffee stuff yeah. uh, I think one of the universal annual pass holder pins in the past couple months was a mummified hand holding a cup of coffee and I really wanted it even though I'm not a pass holder anymore couldn't get yeah. my hands on it but it was cute um so, yes, that's the end. You unload and you go into the, I think it's called like Jewel of the Sahara or something, gift shop where you can buy gifts from the ride. Um, this ride is insanely well received and is still one of the most popular rides in the park. Um, it doesn't yeah. tend to have a super long line, but that's also because it has a high capacity. Like they can right. just kind of just send cars, which is nice. I, You can tell that this ride is really good by by the fact that I, somebody who is pretty cynical about about theme parks, even though I love them, unabashedly loves this ride. Like yeah. there most rides I will be like, oh yeah, it's great, but you know, Splash Mountain is great, but you know, mm-hmm. Brer Rabbit. Yeah. But like Mummy, it's just great. It's like so it's good. just great it's start so to finish. Good. It's so good. Um so of course because it is technically one of the oldest rides in the park there is speculation as to how much longer this ride has, as Universal does not tend to keep rides around for this long as they want to continue to remain relevant. And since Mummy was the ride that started this trend, there's always rumors going around that Mummy is getting replaced with whatever the popular franchise is at the time. For the longest time, there was a rumor that it was going to be a secret life of pets attraction. Uh, when I say <laughs> that I would engage in civil disobedience if this happened, I was on Twitter the other day, you know, at work watching stupid Disney Parks YouTube's mm-hmm. videos, and I went onto Twitter and People Mover was trending, and I got so scared in my bones <laughs> that People Mover, the best ride in any Disney park, was going to be shut down, but it was mm-hmm. because it had been reopened, which yeah. is great news. But I was so scared. There are two rides in this world that make me feel that fear in my bones when I hear them talked about. And they are the People Mover and the Revenge of the Mummy. Yeah. There Um, is no greater dishonor to be thrust upon the legacy of Brendan Fraser, who has already gone through it. Yeah. And no greater crime to the legacy of our sweet boy (laughs) Reggie than to replace this ride... With a secret life of pets ride. You've already flanked this incredible ride with the awful, non-comedy death of culture that is Jimmy Fallon. If anybody is listening that is involved in casting, I'm just, this is a joke. For legal reasons, this is a joke. You've already done this to him. You cannot go this far no further. (laughs) This is us giving you permission that if Universal announces that they're closing this ride, I don't know what quite to do about it, but to do something. I would say 
that this is us giving you permission to use my <laughs> permissible, admissible in a court of law threats that I have given in this podcast as Will. an excuse to close the ride. Because Will. maybe uh, <laughs> we're a bit too radicalized. Maybe the fans of The Mummy are too radicalized and we need to punish them by closing the mummy, that's an okay excuse I would accept. We'll all get together with a big old chain and we'll chain ourselves to the front of the attraction and then what are they going to do, huh? It'll be like that episode of Zack and Cody with the Liberty tr- when they <laughs> when they went back in time to colonial times and they chain themselves to the Liberty tree and they say, don't mess with me or the tree of liberty, except we would say, don't mess with me or the revenge of the mummy. There you that go. Work. It was one beat off. Uh, you can just cut the Wait, that. Don't, don't mess, mess with me or revenge of the mummy. Yeah. <laughs> um, there were the only rumor that had some standing was that there was a rumor of a possible retheme to the new mummy film when it came out in 2017 if it was successful. No, bad. But it bombed, so we still we get to keep good mummy. There's no the problem is if you retheme it to another mummy property, then Brendan Fraser isn't in it. Yeah. <laughs> then the whole ride falls apart. Yeah. This has been, this concludes our mummy discussion. Um, this is the end of the episode. Cut off now. <laughs> um, yeah, I, I, do, I do think this ride has at least a couple of years left in it. Like, I think the only thing I could ever predict is that maybe after Epic Universe is open that they would maybe consider. I'm going to get so riled up, Adam. <laughs> We're ending the podcast when I am riled. Okay. You but can't I give me safe. options for them for to close the ride. They can't close the ride. No, I, it is safe. It is safe. I would call Revenge of the Mummy safe. Okay. Safer than anything else in that park, honestly. I, that's fair. <laughs> I mean, like... Uh, I except for E.T. Re- except for E.T. Let's yeah. be clear. There are two guardians of rides at Universal. The guardian of E.T. is Steven Spielberg, and the guardian of the mummy is me. Yeah. And I will not allow it to be closed. <laughs> So long as I am living. Until I join Reggie <laughs> up in the sky, the mummy will not close. Yeah, pour one out for Reggie if you're listening. Yeah, thank you for listening to this episode of the Great American Scream. This one is dedicated to Reggie and his family. <laughs> if you enjoyed, please leave a rate and review on iTunes or follow us on Spotify. The best way to spread the way, the, the way of the show. <laughs> best way to spread the word about the show, though, is to tell a friend about it, because word of mouth is the best medicine, is what they say. <laughs> we also have Patreon. It is patreon.com slash greatscreenpod. If you want to keep funding this absolute train wreck of an <laughs> audio video <all> program, <laughs> then you can check that out. We have tons of great rewards, including early access to... To the pod on Mondays, you can yeah. be part of our Monday crew instead of our Tuesday crew. If you go back to when we said, hey, happy Tuesday, you could be somebody who tweets at us and says, actually, I listen to this on Monday because I yeah. pay you money on Patreon. You could and that have would be that cool opportunity. For us. That could be all yours. For the- that could be you. Yeah. Uh, that could be you holding <laughs> your hand. Anybody? My World 2.0? Anyway, thank you. This is all stalling because I was trying to pull up the Patreon list. Wait, I need to do social media first. <laughs> Adam, can you put more social medias? <laughs> you can check us out on Facebook at The Great American Scream or more frequently on Twitter and Instagram at Great Scream Pod. Uh, please send us your opinions on Revenge of the Mummy. 
Uh, and but uh, not the negative ones. We'll not tell you. <laughs> only the good ones. Uh, you can tweet at us or post using hashtag TGAS. And as always, if there's something you would like to hear about on the show, please tweet at us or post uh, because your suggestion may become the topic for a future episode. Yes. Special thank you goes out to Michael Segudo, who does the disclaimer at the beginning of the show, as well as to Stevie Viola, who does the intro and outro music. You can find him on Twitter and YouTube. Also, special shout out to all of our patrons on the Man in the Fields level or higher. So thank you to Regina, Ben, Bree, Gail, Joyce, Melinda, and Chris. I've been Devin Wright. I've been Adam O'Connell. And hopefully you have been spooked. I would have been spooked by this uh, more by this episode if I had gotten my cup of coffee. <laughs> I hand you a cup of coffee, but my hand is a mummy. Because like- actually the whole time I was Reggie. It's like in the Roblox RP brackets, hands you a cup of coffee, but I am a mummy. <laughs> but hey, if you're going to roleplay on Roblox, do it safely. <laughs>